It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's A.D. Drew. It's a pleasure to be on the air live with you this Sunday evening as we get a little bit closer to the start of the 2022 football season. Uh, colleges are, are uh, college camps are opening up, uh, and uh, it's just an exciting time. Drew, how you doing uh, this afternoon, or I guess this evening, depending upon where you're at in America? Yeah, I'm doing fine, my brother. You know, we got separation week is uh, going to be occurring in about another week to 10 days for a lot of these college athletes. So, uh, explain. Separation day? I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the concept. You know, we've got all these quarterback battles, and you don't know who the starting wide receiver uh, is and who the starting running back is, yada, yada, yada. You know, most most schools will have a live scrimmage this upcoming Saturday or Sunday, mm-hmm. and you'll start to see some separation, and then you'll start seeing jobs. I, this, week, this weekend will be separation weekend. The following weekend will be – Jobs won or lost weekend, if I'm making sense to everybody. <laughs> okay. Or jobs okay. solidified. Okay. And and if you're uh, Alabama State, Howard, Florida A&M, you've already started camps. Uh, I know, of course, Florida A&M has already started their camps. They had their first scrimmage this past weekend. Uh, have not so checked that timeline up a week. Exactly. Move that timeline up a week. And uh, anybody else playing on weeks? Yeah, Florida Memorial and Everwaters. Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked to see if they've started or how far into their camps they are. But uh, obviously, you know, they're they will be playing on week zero. And then everybody else, uh, you've seen camps. Uh, You've seen moving day. Uh, If you were watching Carlos Brown's show yesterday right here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, we ran the, the video of Southern coming into camp, and then those were the scenes. You know, I, I, a lot of a lot of credit to those schools that were able to put together 
some social media uh, video packages or just just some photos or whatever the story and the coverage of their football teams coming back to camp so uh, you know I, I'm I'm probably least likely to know what's happening on Instagram so I, I'll be honest I haven't checked my IG enough to know what's happening out there in terms of uh, Instagram the last time but, you checked uh, your IG period unfortunately too long this morning. Um, so yeah, uh, just <laughs> okay. Then answer that question. Yeah. That, that's one of those, that's one of those things in the morning that I have to cut, cut myself from doing. But anyway, that we're not, not enough about me, but, uh, I saw, I saw a comment there that, yeah, they have, uh, Florida Memorial has already started camp. So good. The week, week zero teams are already on the, um, already started so that that's good to see so i want to thank and that that looks like that came from our number one florida before you uh super fan who watches our show uh wild man will our buddy will uh they're down florida memorial alumnus uh musician band former band member at florida memorial yeah that that's gonna be a interesting game gonna be uh <coughs> we'll get a chance to talk about that and some of the week zero games coming up here and and uh, we'll, we'll get into more in-depth talking about that. But I want to thank everybody for watching us on YouTube and Facebook and uh, checking us out on the BCSN Pod Zone. If you have not had a chance to go and download the BCSN Pod Zone, please do so. Uh, fresh content being loaded up practically every day. And I say practically because... I end up being a person to upload it. So usually I'm on point about uploading new content <laughs> every day. But uh, obviously all of our shows on the Black College Sports Network, our show, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the ONG, you'll get some features from Charles Edmond with Brave Talk from the All Corner State perspective and, of course, Carlos Brown's show. So, that's just some, and, and and more will be coming. Hopefully, we'll have a few more shows to add on to. So, if you have not checked out the BCSN Pod Zone, you can find it everywhere you listen and download: Spotify, Google, iHeart, all of those great locations. Just want to encourage you, wherever you are, to give us a give us a rating and subscribe, and that way you'll get the notifications. Of course, whenever they are released. Well, Drew, as we as we get into talking about some of the events of the past week, I guess, you know, let's start with I think the bigger news has happened in the non HBCU world in terms of sports. And I, I thought, given the fact that you and I are so fondly appreciative of the game of basketball and everything that the game of basketball means to us. <clears throat> as we are both uh, coaches and we've uh, spent time coaching and, and watching the game and trying to teach the game to younger people. We've got to talk about two things and from two different angles as it relates to the world of basketball. And, and the first big story is the passing of the GOAT, possibly the greatest champion that the sport has ever known, and that is Bill Russell, who uh, passed away this past week at the age of 88 um 
and many great things have been said about Bill Russell over, I don't know, the last three days. And, and a lot of it has been spotlighting his work off the field. Um, just reading a bit from a summary from a uh, from uh, the website uh, thisweek.com, uh, Bill Russell, who died this week at 88, continued his activism throughout through his life, marching with Martin Luther King Jr., protesting the murder of civil rights activist Medgar Evers in Mississippi, creating an integrated basketball clinic for kids. Uh, like Jackie Robinson, he had an outsized impact on society and inspired generations of black athletes to stand up against injustice. Um, why some fans complain then and now must black players inject politics into sports? Can the arena serve as an escape from the real world? Escaping ugly racial realities, however, is a luxury not available to those who must live with them. Black athletes and musicians, Russell once said, quote, are accepted as entertainers, but we are not accepted as people. His legacy is his insistence that he and other African Americans be seen as persons, as equal human beings, on and off the court. Bill Russell would not be denied. Uh, Drew, your your thoughts on Bill Russell, and uh, is he the greatest champion in sports. When you say champion, it's like overstated the obvious, Ryan. You know, the man won. It, let, let me put this into perspective, and I don't think people have understood, can really understand this. Could not play as a freshman in college because freshmen did not play in the 50s, in the 60s, in, uh, up until the 70s. So you only had three varsity years of basketball, of, of any sport in college. So for a 16-year period, Brian, sophomore year of college, junior year of college, senior year of college, and a 13-year NBA career, he won the last game 13 of those 16 years. Two out of three in college, 11 out of 13 in the professional ranks. Throw in an Olympics in the midst of all that. Mm-hmm. And what was it? 21 winner take all games? 21 for 21 winner take all games Something in the like finals? That, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, overall. 21 winner take all game. So if you be, if you were going to beat him, you had to beat him before game seven. Right. So I mean this is an amazing the champion. Yeah. The word, this is an amazing champion. champion. There I mean, it is. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's a great let's, graphic let's look right at, there. Let's look at another thing. MVPs. He won five MVPs. Now, let's think about the era in which he voted that he won the MVP. Players voted for the MVP. This was before the media and everybody else started voting for the MVP. Media did not start voting for the MVP until the 80s. So his peers 
said, despite all the points that Russell scored, despite everything that Mr. Basketball Jerry West did and all the other players from that era, he was the most valuable, the most, not the most impactful, the most valuable player. Your peers yeah. hold that to you. I think the MVP award meant something more than that. Now, do you, do you want me to step off the court, Brian? Did they rename the MVP, the Bill Russell award? The finals correct? MVP. The finals, finals MVP. MVP. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That, that, that's fitting. That's what I thought. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because as equal, as much of a champion as he was in the on-court sense, he was that much of a champion off the court. And, and that is correct. Uh, first of all, Bill Russell, before there was social justice, Bill Russell was doing civil rights movements before we even had a term for what he was doing. Bill Russell, the first African-American coach in any other major four sports. Player coach at that. Bill Russell, first African-American manager or coach to win a championship and just so happened to do it as a player coach. In the midst of being a coach in Boston, had the, had the nerve, the galls to, to sit with Muhammad Ali when Muhammad Ali took his Vietnam stance. And, we've, uh, and everybody has seen that famous picture with Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, then Lou Alcindor, now uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and uh, uh, what was the track guy? Uh, t- uh, mm, uh-oh. From, from the uh, 1968 yeah. Olympics. Uh, the one who put his fist in the air. Uh, I can't remember. Bobby Mitchell. Was it Bobby Mitchell? There were there were two. We're, we're, we're failing here amongst two. our amongst our it players. Was, it, okay. it, it, it was, so you, but, but you know... Which one? I'm, you know, I'm never, talking, I never, I, I never try to talk about things that I'm going to forget unless I've done some research. So I'm going to, and I did the research. That's the bad part. That's the bad part. <laughs> but this is why, exactly. this is why he was still coaching in the NBA and playing in the NBA. Right. Let's forget. Right. Let's not forget. In nineteen, I believe it was nineteen sixty, when the Boston Celtics players could not eat in the same restaurants on the road because of Jim with the rest of the teammates. Yep. And right. sleep in the same hotels. He took a stand and said, I will not play until we get this situation handled. And he did not play. Walked out of a game in Louisville, Kentucky. It was a preseason game, but walked out of a game in Louisville, Kentucky. And the reason I remember that is because the next, ni- next night, they were scheduled to play in St. Louis, Missouri for a preseason game. And speaking of St. Mm-hmm. Louis, Missouri, let's think of some of the places that he started his career uh, playing. Okay. Okay, he played in Boston. We Yep. Boston was the was probably one of the at that point in time was one of the more racist cities in the north. Syracuse, New York, Syracuse uh Na- Syracuse Nationals. Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati Royals. Fort Wayne, Indiana, Fort Wayne Pistons. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis, mm-hmm. Minnesota. For the Minneapolis Lakers, 
St. Louis, Missouri for the St. Louis Hawks. New York, New York, the New York Knicks. Probably the best place he probably played was uh, Philadelphia when the Philadelphia Warriors were there. And then, of course, you all can figure out what some of those teams moved to the Pistons, moved to Detroit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I, I, I could go on and on. I'm going to let you get in before I come back to my, before, before I come back to my coup de grace. Well, I was going to, I was going to, as, as we think about Russell and, you know, again, we talk about the champions and the championships he's won. As we think about this generation, and we, you know, you and I complain about this generation enough, but let's forward it 20 years and look at the next generation. Will Bill Russell be a forgotten legend? to the next generation. I'm not, I don't know what this generation currently, I, I bet if I took a poll of, I don't know, I'm, and I may do this. I may take a poll of 20, 50 young people at my school and just yes or no. Do you know who Bill Russell is? I don't know what percentage you think they may know who Bill Russell is, but forward it to the next generation, their kids will they know who Bill Russell is. Will he be the lost goat, so to speak, of the next generation? All right, I'm, I'm going to put this in this turn. What is the NBA championship trophy called? Uh, the Larry 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 O'Brien uh, Trophy. Yeah, named after okay. a, a long gone dead commissioner. Okay, how many young people know that? Why is it named the Larry O'Brien uh, Trophy? Nerds, nerds like how me many, only know that. How many people know why it's called the Vince Le, the, the Vince Lombardi Trophy? Good question. Good question. You're, you're, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing where you're going. So your, your point is that they what? will know his name. They will know his name because of the trophy, trophy. named after gotcha. him. But gotcha. they will not know the history of why the trophy was named after him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and speaking of, I, I oh, did you have something before I get to my next point? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, one thing you know, what was it? Last year we were talk. We were uh, we were born at the death of John Thompson, the legendary yeah. Georgetown coach. Does everybody yeah. know that John Thompson was his backup center at Boston? Nice in Boston. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Little, he little was known history facts to Bill Russell, but here we go. You know, number forty-two in baseball is retired for Jackie Robinson. Yes, number ninety-nine in hockey is retired for Wayne Gretzky. Okay, I think there should be a campaign to retire the number six in basketball for not only what he did on the court, not the points he scored, but what he did uh, as far as championships. Like you said, he is the greatest winner. But for the social things that he did outside of the game for the man, Bill Russell, I think after the current generation of LeBron James and other people who wear the number six, no one else should wear the number six. And and, and, and uh, last thing, and I, I may get remaining on this one. Would Bill Russell be considered 
a role player today because he does because he did not score. He did everything but score for his team. And could he be? Could anybody be a player coach like he was? Because I I couldn't see anybody in today's game being a player coach. Okay, I let me let me let me. I do think. Uh, let me let me start with the player coach thing. I, I think I think players could be player coaches this year. Um, I think I've heard would they have the respect? Would they get the respect from their their teammates? Because if the, would, if the best score is a player coach, who you think he go call to play for? Well, well, let me go. That's, I think LeBron, that's what made Russell so say, great. For example, I'm sorry, LeBron James. If LeBron if LeBron James were a player coach, I. I I think he could be. Now, obviously, the the thing about being a player coach, you have a team full of assistants around you, right? Now, I don't trust LeBron as a GM, but I think LeBron as a player, as a coach, I I would I would trust. You know, I think Jason Kidd, when Jason Kidd was a player in those final years, I believe he was still bumping around with the Nets. I think he could have been a player coach. Uh, you know, he... He actually being a point guard. So, so what? What I'm saying is, you probably need to but have somebody who is of the point guard ilk, somebody who sees the entire floor and everyone's role in it, to be able to pull off the player coach. You know, right? You know why Jason Kidd would, would have succeeded, and why he was able to why? go immediately from a player to a coach because I think he was a player one year and a coach the next year. Because uh, yes. he was yeah you're right. He was he was not a scorer. He he was well, not the yes. primary personal office. Yes, you're right. He saw the floor, he saw different things. But I think that's the difference. That's why as a person like no disrespect to LeBron James, that's why I don't think he would fit that mold because I think it would be hard to win his team over because of who he is offensively, if if I'm even making any sense to anybody. Yeah, I, I follow you. I follow you. Um, what was the other question? What was the pre? What was the previous question you asked? You asked should, what, should the number six be retired in okay, basketball? So I could be. I could go for that, and and for a couple of reasons. One, I think the number six. Look, what what is it? What is it? We as coaches were once told about AAU and jersey numbers, and even most high school associations <coughs> have a rule about you can't wear what, zero, five. To, zero, zero to five for either digit. Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. So technically, the number six is already a rare number, I think. And I just did league. a quick until you get to the league, right? Um, Matter of fact, thinking about it in college, how many guys actually wear the number six in college? I don't. You can't. You can't. It's an illegal okay. number. Right. So 260, 260 players have worn. I just did a quick search on basketballreference.com after you asked that question. Um, so, yes, 260 players have worn it. Most notably, probably the only other, there's probably a handful of guys here who have worn six. But obviously, the the other dominant player who wore six was, of course, Julius Irving, uh, who wore six. Um, 
as I do a quick scroll through names, I don't really come across any other real names. I mean, there's a couple. There's there's a handful. Ken, of Hall Kenya of Barton, Kenya Barton wore six. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're famous, uh, most uh, famous names. Yes, or yeah, more well known. Julius- I mean, ben Wallace wore the number six for a few years. Um, you know, but in terms of Hall of Famers, uh, Julius and Avery Johnson wore six. I mean, that yes. would he would you know you, if you talked about the greatest players to wear number six, you'd probably go Bill Russell, then you go Julius Irvin, uh, then you might go to somebody like uh, uh, Avery Johnson. And I'm just kind of scrolling through different names here. You might want to throw in there. Uh, I'm not going to say Andrew Bogut. No way. Uh, Tyson Chandler wore six. Uh, yeah, Tyson well, Chandler. LeBron, well, see, the thing with LeBron is LeBron wears six now, but he started at 23. So LeBron. And he's won I, I six twice in his career. And he's won no, 23 twice in his in career. The, I, yeah, I guess you could throw him in there in the mix as, as one of those players that have wore the number six. So I, I think it could happen. I Look, I – you know, I, I, I think what would be great is if the league cycled out the number six, meaning beginning yes. with we get after just this like they did with number forty two in baseball. If you right. ha- if you after currently have number forty two when they did it, that's why Mariano yeah. Rivera was the last person to wear number forty two in a major league jersey. Because right. he and, had and it we can play the game who would be yeah, we could go. We could play the game and say who's going to be the last guy to wear six. You know, who who will make it into their tenth year, twelfth year in the league in the next ten years, and, and then we say who's the last guy to wear number six. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I, I I think it could be. And surprisingly, you didn't mention the sport of football. Doesn't have a a number that has been retired. But uh, yeah, I, I think Bill Russell's number six. Uh, should definitely be retired. So, um, again, uh, we 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 just we we have to continue to remind young people about Bill Russell. We need to speak his name. Uh, I, I again, thirteen. You brought up a great stat there. Sixteen seasons, thirteen championships. Do you know who we, college what college you went to? Do you remember the uh, college University that he went to? University of San Francisco, yeah. the Dons. The Dons, exactly. From, originally a, originally a from Louisiana. There's a great trivia question for you. So uh, if you want to throw that out, you guys who are watching, you want to stump some people at work tomorrow, stump them with that. You know, 13, 13 championships in 16 years, college and pro, and then ask them, and hey, do you remember – and an Olympic championship uh, medal, gold medal. So that's uh, Bill Russell. Now let's transition from – uh, Bill Russell, uh, one big man to another dominant post player that's having a tough time in the in uh, off the court, and that is Miss Brittany Griner, who uh, news came down Friday morning uh, as she appeared in a Russian court for sentencing. Of course, if by now you don't know. Why she's in a Russian jail? Well, uh, you need to crawl up under from out under that rock. But yeah, um, sentencing now. When I first saw this report come up Friday morning, one of the first stories I read, which kind of made me drop my jaw, was when I read that the prosecutor or a prosecutor in Russia was recommending nine and a half years. 
And that was the first time, Drew, anyone had thrown a number out. And I just kind of was like, whoa, this is getting real. And then sure enough, maybe about two hours later, sentencing came out. And she was, in fact, sentenced to nine years in a Russian jail. Um, And if, you know, I I, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know how Russian jail works. I don't know if there's a time off of does. That you could get, you could ask just about anybody over the age of forty. I gonna say anybody, but a number of people who over the age of forty have spent at least one night in jail for for something, or or even not a night, a few hours in jail, and a few hours make you like, oh my god, can I be here for the rest of my life? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, you know? right. So I I empathize with anyone who spent a hour or two, um, but. To, to know how long that she's been there and to come to the hard, cold reality that as it stands right now, she's she's there for at least another nine maximum years. And while the whole politics of things plays out in the United States, uh, I ran across an interesting article on a website. Uh, I, I think it's a, a Spanish sports related website but the, the the headline says russia set conditions for britney griner trade with the u.s so of course there are back channel talks being discussed about griner and another u.s citizen that's being held in exchange for some uh russian mercenary arms dealer something that is that is in u.s uh, detainment to some sort of trade for for this person, um, but Russia seemed to have released. It. Look, okay, so this article talks about the U.S. Secretary of State and the Russian Foreign Minister were uh, both at a uh, where were they? They were both in the same place this past weekend or this past week. Uh, let's see, what was this for? This was the East Asia Summit that was taking place, the meeting of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. They were both there. And there was a key quote here as it related to, this comes from the Russian foreign minister. His name is Sergei Lavrov, right? He says, in regards to this situation, um, he said Moscow was quote unquote resi ready to discuss a prisoner swap, but that the topic should only be discussed via a dedicated Russia US channel that US President Joe Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin agreed to establish when they met in Geneva in June twenty twenty one. Here's the big quote. If the Americans again try to engage in public diplomacy, and make loud statements about their intention to take certain steps. It's their business. I would even say their problem, Lavrov said. The Americans often have trouble observing agreements on calm and professional work. So I hear all that, and I'm reading, Drew, damn, all this that's going on outside, and no matter what your personal feelings are, about this whole situation. Obviously, it it is it sucks for Brittany Griner. You know, you, you pray for her health and her mental health where she's at. But 
that to me tells me that Russia doesn't like y'all being all loud and talkative in these Twitter streets and on social media and in these world summit meetings about Brittany Griner. And Russia's like, we're not going to talk to y'all until you all do it quietly the way supposedly we agreed on doing this. Uh, when you hear that quote, Drew, does it, does it seem like America knows how to do that? Do, do you think there's any way that diplomacy would work out in her favor? It's, it's not that America, the leaders don't know how to do it. It's that, let's just be real. The people like you and I, the journalists, are digging too much and it's our, we have to know now the who, what, when, where, and why. Instead of let's sit back, because we don't, you know, and, and it's a damn if you do, it's a damn if you don't. Because if you don't say something, people are afraid that we will forget about Brittany Griner and she'll just sit over there and rot. But if you put too much pressure and try to find out too much information, and then you leak that information, now the person who you're talking to is pissed off. A perfect example, Brian. Uh, you know, we deal, we deal with the athletics, we deal with other things. You know how you've always got that one donor who will write you a check for anything or pay for anything for your program? As long as you don't say who they are because they don't want everybody else coming to them and asking for their money, for that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, okay, here, you, you need how much to, for this? Okay, here, here, here's the $500 that you need for those those four those four kids' shoes or, or, or whatever it is. Just don't let nobody know I gave it to you. And it's not that I can do anything illegal or cheating. They just don't want no one to know their business. Sure, well, sure. this is kind of along those same, those same lines. And for an athlete, for Brent Griner, if there was ever a time that you wanted to be traded, we're going to put this in an athletic term. This is the time that you wanted to be traded. You know it's not going to be for a player to be named later, so you're telling them, please package whatever you have to do to get me out of here. Forget what Kevin Durant is talking about and everybody else is talking about on trades. This is the most important trade for an athlete that we've had, that we've had in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like as I've listened to various this and while one one part of me is definitely sympathetic to what's happened, I also think in all of this, we've lost the messaging of what could be also discussed in this. And then maybe it's, be, you know, maybe someone will say, oh, it's not the right time or too soon or no one's talking. Well, There's never a good time. Let's see if you go, go around where I would go on that. Well, I'm, go I'm going to go about, what, about the, the messaging that I think is being lost is that when you travel internationally, when you travel to another country, A, making sure you know the laws, A, making sure that, you know, you're doing, you're not giving them a reason to detain. You know, I get it. People say, yes, she forgot she made a mistake. That's what she said. That's probably what happened. I get it. I get it. But there's some, sometimes you, you just don't want to make a mistake. You really want to double and triple check. And I, and I think we all, we ought to, we ought to also, while we, while we 
express our empathy and our sympathies, we should also be reminding travelers, especially travelers that are the darker complexion, that also might stand out. And obviously, I mean, she stands out not only as a celebrity. She's six seven. She stand out. She's six seven with tap. She stands out. So I mean, that that's uncomfortable. People don't want to hear that because people want to think it's supposed. Life's not fair. And, and, I'm not. A, and, I'm not and on and team the place fair. Her lifestyle is not supported. Also. Yeah, so I'm not team fair here, so back up. I'm not saying life is fair, so I, let's just understand that. Life is not fair. So if you know all those things going in, we have to be hyper aware of the situation. And I think we, we're not hearing that messaging being talked about. We can talk about diplomacy and trading. You know, I, you can talk about what we're trading her for and who we're trading her for and all these other things and yes she's being used as a political pawn but at the same time i know this if i go outside of the united states drew man i'm making sure everything is clean i have nothing extra that might might get a sniff from a dog or a or a or a security check or whatever man i you know what i'm saying i mean and i think I don't travel international. I'd, I'd love to hear from people who do travel internationally. What, 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 how do you prepare yourself? Do you know the laws? Do you, you know, so I, I just wonder is, are we, are we missing the message and what lessons can be learned from this situation, Drew? Uh, well, number one, here in America, your celebrity can buy you certain things be it phys- physically by it or just give you certain passes. You know, if you're a celebrity, how many times celebrities get pulled over? Speed, maybe a deep grade or whatever, we're going to take you home or whatever. Your celebrity affords you certain things in this country that do not happen in other countries for, for, what, for one reason or another. Number two, we're missing the we're missing the sports story here, Brian. Okay. Here's here's the sports story. The fact that one of the mo- most notable stars in the WNBA has to go overseas to make a living, where she makes overseas more money than she will make in the WNBA if she does not have to go overseas. To make her to make a honest living and take care of herself and her family, there is no story. True. It's that simple. True. If she's here playing in the United States, Canada, Mexico, where you know, in in the WNBA or uh, or equivalents in, in the, those countries, this, this this never happens. So. I ask you, and I ask everybody on the chat, when the last time you have, have you ever been to a WNBA game, number one? And then number two, when the last time you've been to a WNBA game? Yeah, no that, that, is, that is the reason why players like Brittany Griner and others have to go overseas to play ball. Now, I haven't been and to a WNBA game since COVID, but I was a frequent WNBA fan prior to 
prior to COVID. I had uh, the Atlanta Dream were the closest team to me geographically, and I had plans to get to a Dream game or two this year. But when they had home games, I did not have the ability to go to the game and vice versa. So the schedule did not work this year. So I'm on their I'm on their email list and I get all the ticket promotions and different things like that. But unfortunately this year I did not get the opportunity to go. But I'm gonna make it a point more now than ever to make sure I go and support not only my local team, but their advertisers, their sponsors and things like that. If you can't go to a game, at least watch the game so your eyeballs get recorded. So that in the next TV contract, they can ask for more money so that they can pay the players more so that they don't have to go overseas. Same thing we have for HBCU sports. What's interesting, and, I, and I'll wrap up this segment and go to the break with this. What's interesting is what kind of shift in the in the international game will this have? Because she's not the only big name star that plays overseas in Russia. Uh, it's been well documented that uh, and she's loved in Russia. Uh, oh, she well as, as an athlete, as uh, by the fans. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess supposedly not by, not uh, by the government, yeah. but by the fans. Maybe right. Maybe not by the government, but yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of women who go play over in Russia. Russia pays in and Europe; man. they pay big money. So the question is, I, well, you know, again, how will that affect? I know Russia's in the midst of this war, so maybe that in itself will cause people to say, yeah, maybe I don't want to go to Russia this season. But in the long run, how will that affect international basketball and relations? So a lot, a lot of things are happening there. Uh, we'll just continue to see how this unfolds. But that was the latest developments, and um, it makes for and, – and, and one final thing, Drew. I wish – you know, there's a great clip that's running on the Phoenix Mercury, who's uh, that's her home team here in the WNBA. There's a great clip of Skylar Diggins – uh, about this uh, and you know it's almost she was like she almost was making a plea to the media to stop asking the team about it and she and she broke it up in this in the terms of saying we you know imagine having your sister or your friend in that situation how do you think we feel so it's almost like you can't ask us how we feel anymore because we probably told you a dozen times and it's not going to change we're going to continue to feel horrible for her and uh, but anyway I, I just thought that was a if you can find it I, I happened to bump across it when I was spending too much time on Instagram this morning so that's gonna let's get out of this segment take a break come back talking about some HBCU stuff you're watching the BCSN sports wrap we'll be back in two minutes uh in just a moment This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard. 
as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a good thing going. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Velvet Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www. Dot slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com We are making the virtual HBCU experience available wherever you live through Stillman Online. We offer online degrees in business, criminal justice, psychology, and religion. Stillman also offers technology badges in cybersecurity and data analytics. You can participate in all student activities, fraternities and sororities, internships, graduation ceremonies, and much more. Apply for admission today at stillman.edu. Stillman College, where we prepare you for a different world. to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here, and uh, we promised to, to transition and get into talking about some HBCU-related things. Um, obviously, longer first segment than we thought, but, but two big stories all the same. Encourage you guys to continue the discussion in the chat rooms on Facebook and on YouTube. If that's where you're at, uh, we encourage you to get there. All right, so, Drew, one of the things that has been sort of a crawl in you know, my butt for just because I've been kind of paying attention <laughs> to this thing is this whole, <laughs> you laugh, but I, you know, I've never been, I've never been more passionate to see Bethune Cookman have success than I am. And, and for you, them and you can talk about pulling my alumni card the last two weeks. 
Well, look, I didn't. I didn't vote for him. Now, nah, see, unlike you, you out there voting for him and putting him out ahead of. Nah. <laughs> anyway, they 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 are playing Jackson State on October fifteenth, right? And so, obviously, late in June, the story comes out that they're moving the game to Jacksonville, Florida. Now, at the time, from things that we've learned from you know sources, people that we've talked to, uh, Jackson State had really tried to get. Bethune to agree to play that game in Jackson. And I think even to some degree, we're going to give them a large percentage of the profits. Now, of course, Jackson wants Jackson state wants as many home games as possible. I believe they only have four home games this year. They want 50,000 and as many games as possible. So obviously it's a play to try to get another home game, you know, and what many people maybe didn't realize when the story first broke is why is this game moving to Jacksonville? Well, that particular weekend happens to be Biketoberfest in Daytona beach. They, that's one of the, the two outside of that. And, uh, the, the, the week of spring break. Well, the, well, when is it when the bikes come in for the week? Is that like bike week, bike week? Thank you. Obviously. Bike duh. You got yeah, bike week, week Biketoberfest and the 500. Right. Those are like three of the biggest economic weekends in the Daytona Beach area. Right. So with hotel prices at huge, you know, huge cost and just the fact that Bethune has to rent a stadium, traffic is going to be crazy. You're going to have bikes running all up and down Daytona Beach for that potential game. You know, this it was an opportunity there, uh, as we've noted in our show with uh, other schools, Florida A&M, Valdosta State. Uh, Edward Waters, all being away from the Jacksonville area. So it really opened up an opportunity for Jacksonville and the city of Jacksonville um, to work with um, Bethune-Cookman, the city of Jacksonville, along with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, to work with them to to bring that game to TIAA Bank Field, right? Okay, so that's what happened first. And then, of course, at media day, Coach Prime uh, eloquently drops the <coughs> drops the bomb on, on the game. What's funny is, Drew, he dropped his quote about why we play in this game. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think I got the quote right. Why we play in this game in Jacksonville. Who's going to be there? You know, something to that effect, right? Already basically besmirching Bethune-Cookman fans, Jacksonville fans, the whole area, just saying, they're not going to show up for this game, almost implying that, hell, Jackson State fans aren't going to this game, right? Okay, that's (laughs) sort of implied. That's all what was implied. And, you know, in talking with, with Jackson State folks that we know, Hey, Jackson, Jackson State has a lot of games that they're already traveling to in the early part of the season. So it, whether you want to call it a reason or an excuse, there's already sort of a understanding that, yeah, Jackson State might not want to travel. Fans might not want to travel to this game. The band, unless they're getting paid, probably is not traveling to that game, you know. Um, so all that stuff is happening. <coughs> excuse me for my uh, froggy throat here. Um, so all of that, all of that is floating around this game. And, and I, for one, Drew was, was, uh, 
was really adamant about trying to find out as much as I could about how this game came about, why is it being played that particular weekend, and also, you know, the city of Jacksonville is also dealing with another big football game, which is the, I don't know, can we call it the Florida, what do we call it, the cocktail, the, the world's largest outdoor cocktail well, it party? Used to be called, it used to be called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Now it's called the uh, Florida Georgia game. <laughs> the Florida Georgia game, right. Okay, SEC Florida Georgia game is played there. And there were already comments at the same time as Coach Prime's comments, comments from Georgia's coach about why are we playing this game in Jacksonville? It'd be great if we try played it. Try to make it a home at home. Try to make a home at home. And see, he's pushing from the standpoint of, and I'm talking about Kirby Smart, he's wanting another game to impress recruits as if you don't have enough opportunities to impress recruits, but it's also one more weekend to do that, I guess, you know, so that's his angle. So the city of Jacksonville was already like, damn y'all, come on now. We, 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 we give enough money and we put enough behind this game and here you are dumping on us. Well, here's some details as to why this is a good deal for Bethune Cookman and it could also lead to other opportunities for other schools in the area, namely Florida A&M, to want to partner with the city of Jacksonville to host games because the Jaguars are also being a part of and helping in this. So essentially, the city of Jacksonville is providing Bethune with a travel stipend of $30,000 for the band and the team. Now, again, they're only going an hour up the road. Right. I believe that's the difference from Daytona to Jacksonville. So before you scoff at thirty thousand dollars, it's only an hour up the road to to bring the football and band. Right. So it's not like they're having to go a long distance. OK. Um, I'm talking about part, 10 buses, 10 to 12 buses. Exactly. Exactly. So the the city is providing all of the stadium staff and expenses. OK including housekeeping, security, ticket takers, facility staff, ground staff, fire, medical, law enforcement. All of that is being provided by the city. Again, this is a home game for Bethune. Bethune, all they have to do is provide the game day operations. That's the officials, chain crew, clock operator, instant replay system, and staffing, which they would normally do where they play their games in Daytona Beach at Municipal Stadium, a stadium which drew – They rent. They do not own that stadium. Okay, so they're having to rent that stadium, which only seats about 10,000 people. Okay, you with me so far? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So within that, the city is obviously giving um, um, uh, the the city will manage and control the tickets. They're providing uh, Bethune Cookman with a thousand tickets. Uh, to use however they want to use um, any allotted any uh, tickets allotted to Jackson State will be provided from BCU's ticket allotment. So I would imagine, you know, they'll you know maybe split because it's swag thing. I don't probably know what seven the three. Are, but, probably okay, seventy seven thirty. Okay, seventy thirty. Uh, there'll be no fees or revenue provided to the city by Bethune for those tickets. So Bethune can sell those tickets if they choose to, right? Okay, um, the city gets a small complimentary set as well, and then here's the here's the thing: 
the city and Bethune will split on a 60-40 basis the face value of all tickets sold on Ticketmaster. Again, city gets 60, Bethune gets 40. Remember, Bethune renting the old stadium, not paying any cost for this stadium. You're getting 40% of the ticket sales. You're already getting tickets that you could sell, and you're getting travel stipend, okay? Um, the city gets control of all the parking, manages uh, the revenue uh, from the uh, concessions, all of that. Um, there's a few opportunity for Bethune to uh, do some in-game sponsorship and advertisements, things of that nature. Marketing for the game. Marketing is being handled right now or will be handled potentially by a company that also does some marketing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they are behind this thing. So in essence, Drew, as I was doing the math, Bethune could probably, let's just say if they sold 40,000 tickets or just say if this game is attended by 40,000 people, Bethune could probably walk out of there with a profit of somewhere maybe 400,000, 500,000, if my math that I did earlier comes out right, okay? That is a win that you won't get in your backyard in Municipal Stadium because, again, you don't own that stadium and you rent it and you only seat 10,000. Yeah, All right. you with me so far? Yeah. Just, Thoughts, just thus thought far. Out, can, Thoughts thus far. Thoughts thus far. Yeah, go ahead. You know I'm the math man, right? Go so, ahead, Matt. Make it make it make sense. It's gonna make sense. Let's just say ten thousand tickets, ten thousand people in municipal stadium. Thirty dollars a ticket, which is about the, which is about the average HBCU ticket. That's that's right. three hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Okay. At municipal at TIAA Bank Field. They would have to sell twenty five thousand tickets to have to equal that same amount of revenue. Let's put that in perspective. So, okay. twenty five thousand is your number in TIAA Bank. But okay. at Municipal Stadium, you get no concessions, no parking if you Bethune. That's all the money that you get. Is the ticket sales, and you have to pay all those things that you uh, mentioned: security, fire, uh, game game day operations, concession workers, etc., etc., etc. Now, in TIAA Bank, probably still not you're still not gonna get the parking. No, you don't get the parking. Still not go get the concessions. Don't get the concessions. So those, those, those are even. What you, but here's the win. You say I don't have to pay for police, fire, ticket takers, uh, all those people. So that's that already cuts down. We said we said twenty five thousand. I really don't have to sell that twenty five thousand now to 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 that to get to that break even point because that's one less expense one less major expense that I don't have right. to do. Now, right. here's the other thing. You still have to transport those kids from campus 
to uh, to municipal stadium because they don't they don't folks they don't go in their own cars. Van doesn't travel in vans. Those same buses, the same amount of buses that you're going to need to go from campus to municipal stadium are going to be the same as it the same amount to go to Jacksonville, Florida. Now, I'm going to pay a little bit more per mile because the the hourly rate is the same. You're going to pay the same amount per hour for that bus driver. Now, the bus company is going to make a couple of more dollars because of the mileage. But you're giving me $30,000. So, in essence, I probably am not paying for the bus. If I am, it's going to be a minimal cost versus if I'm in if I'm in Daytona, I'm paying I'm paying a couple of miles travel from campus to the stadium, plus the time that those bus drivers are sitting there on the clock. And yes, those bus drivers are sitting on the clock that whole entire time. That's probably about an eight hour day for those bus drivers. They're on the clock. That's the same eight to ten hours that they're gonna be up at up at municipal state. I don't know if Bethune puts their guys in a hotel the night before like most teams do. But if so, Probably. that you you're not going to put your players in a hotel in Daytona that weekend because of how much those one. hotels are going to play. One. And exactly. if you saw, you're probably play you're probably paying three forty nine a night, where I could go to Jacksonville and probably play one forty nine a night. And with the number of hotels that Bethune is going to need, you're probably going to be down to about ninety nine a night. And that's not even that's not even counting the visit team Jackson State because obviously they'll they'll be in the hotel Friday night also. So uh, yeah, it, I see the win thus far. Yeah, so I mean, you you set the you set the line at twenty five. Again, I've been saying that this is a forty the minimum forty thousand. No, I say that's that's what you just need to make you, to break even with the same amount of money that you would have made in. Municipal stadium. The max right. you're gonna so make in municipal I'm, stadium is three hundred. Right, exactly, Max. So what I'm saying is you're gonna probably do more than that if you get the forty thousand. And again, if you get the sponsorship and the advertising and the marketing, remember Jacksonville, one of the largest counties, one of the largest areas in Florida. You got South Georgia, and again, look who's coming. You have the draw of Jackson State now. Their band probably may not come. That's but still, there's plenty of reasons to celebrate and talk about how good this Jackson State team is coming. There, there's plenty of guys to want to see that'll be coming. Now, here's what makes it even juicier. Now, okay, the the the, the, the idea that quickly go ahead, go ahead, because we got to get out of here and go to a break. So go ahead, get your point. EA says BCU does not have 25K fans to the Florida Classic, the biggest game of the year for them. JSU game would draw less than 15K. It's a what? EA, you are wrong. I, I, I take someone, a bet. I take, a, I take that bet. I take that bet. Is someone this day, who has been to the Florida Classic pre COVID, the Florida crazy. Classic was, was, was drew well over. 50. No, it did not. It did not top the Bayou. It did not top Magic City. It did not top the Southern Heritage. But if you go top five, 
attendance pre-COVID, Florida Classic was top five attendance. Hey, hey, look, you're saying that Bethune doesn't have twenty five thousand. That's not all. And that's not all. Fab, you down in Orlando. Trust me. Thank you, thank you. They have twenty five thousand fans that will. You know, it, again, I I put the little the asterisk on there about this game being promoted and discussed the right way. Obviously, Bethune needs to get back to their winning ways, but we've seen them. We've seen that game draw seventy thousand people. That wasn't all, fam. You. That wasn't all Bethune. That was a combination of, look, if FAMU brought 30, Bethune may have bought 20. And then the rest was locals. Who knows, you know? But Bethune's got at least 20. Uh, And then again, we're just talking college football fans in the area. In Jacksonville, you got a big name HBCU brand that's coming to play in Jacksonville. That'll be big. Big, huge. Now, here's the one other thing. Let me get to it real quick, Drew. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hurry up. Get your point. That's the, clo- that's the closest prime is going to get to Tallahassee where he played ball and start for the Florida Thank State you. Seminoles for, for another, at least another year. Large alumni base of Florida State fans are in Jacksonville. That need, need I remind you? Okay, so there's another reason why that game draws interest. Okay, so again, let's let's make sure we EA you you call it. What are we what are we betting on this? A, a plate of wings and some ginger ale. I don't you you call it fifteen thousand. If that's the line you're setting, I'm taking the over, and I will bet you a plate of wings and whatever some diet coke. You call it, man. I will take that bet. The last thing is this announcement that came out on Friday from Jackson State. Drew. This is why this game will happen and it'll be big. Jackson State partnered with American Airlines. That announcement came out on Friday, right? Um, This announcement puts uh, Jackson State University and American Airlines in sync with one another. Uh, As the, I'm reading from HBCUsports.com, as the uh, official airline and airline rewards program sponsor, American Airlines is excited to provide Jackson State University fans with VIP rewards and benefits, which can be accessed by using their American Airlines A A Advantage number. Um, So you can get flights from Jackson, Mississippi to Jacksonville. If you were to just buy a ticket today, you probably pay less than $125. I, I looked it up myself. Okay, so you can get from Jackson to Jacksonville. It'd be more expensive if you flew to Daytona Beach. Probably be more expensive if you flew to Orlando. But guess where you can fly? Jacksonville. So maybe, just maybe, as the team will potentially, it says the Jackson State football team has an opportunity to get chartered flights. There's no reason for Jackson State fans to not want to get on a plane and go support your team. So, Jackson State fans, 10,000 of you, 5,000 of you, go support your team. Go put it on your A Advantage reward number because you all need to go sign up for that anyway and, you know, travel and go support your team. But then expect the rest of that stadium, that TIAA Bank Field Stadium, to be packed with uh, Wildcat fans. And I'm telling you, 40,000-plus will be in attendance for that game. So. Again, Tampa T sums it up all for us, Brian. Who the heck wants to be in Daytona during Bike Fest? Heck no. That sums it all up. 
There you go. There you go. Coming back after this break, we got Jamie Walker joining us. We're going to get into talking about uh, some of the uh, non, some of the uh, top games of the non-conference schedule, as well as some of the toughest schedules in FCS, including his beloved North Carolina Aggies, North Carolina A&T Aggies, rather. We'll talk about uh, that and more with him on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Q-Time is a classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster absorbs even more so you can feel dry and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark Frank and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel well, Let's do that after. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here, joined by our good friend Jamie Walker. Jamie, how you doing, my man? I am well. How are you all doing this evening? Jamie get the big box this week. You see, he was in the small box uh, when we had when, it was, when he was on for the whole show, and then last week he was in the, <laughs> in the regular size box 
when it was just me and him. So now it's just he's a <laughs> guest. He get the big box. Well, I appreciate it, man. You know, hey, I'm looking to move up in this world. I like it. Working for more FaceTime. I see you, Jamie. That, that's a smart. Um, so, Jamie, you had a chance to hear, before we get into talking about what we wanted to talk with you about, uh, you had a chance to hear our discussion maybe at the end of the last segment regarding Bethune, Jackson State, 40,000. Um, now I, I'm seeing our good friend EA posting that this game is right now scheduled for a 1 p.m. kickoff which I was not aware it's a 1 p.m. kickoff. I will honestly admit that. I didn't know it was a 1 p.m. kickoff. Uh, I, I don't know if that's official or not, but just in general, what are your thoughts on the success or potential success of this game, Jamie, especially given that it is being backed practically, I won't say 100%, but doggone 80% of it's being backed by the city of Jacksonville and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, I love it. I mean, I think everyone is riding the success of what's going on, especially with Jackson State right now. So my thing is, why not? Um, I understood initially um, what Coach Prime was trying to say in relation to um, the attendance, but I think – after listening to you, especially, I mean, because y'all are more, you know, Florida classic experts, um, that the Bethune base is, you know, Senator in Jacksonville. And so I think this will be a great turnout for the game. So I don't see what would be wrong at all. I like it. I mean, I like the fact that it's up there. I like the fact that it's being supported by both the, the NFL team um, in that town and um, by the city. So, hey, why not? You know, let's see what happens. Jacksonville is starving for some HBCU football. No offense to Ever Waters, but it's been a while since FAMU or Bethune have played a game in Jacksonville. And honestly, the city of Jacksonville is supporting that HBCU game more than the city of Orlando, in my opinion, supports the Florida Classic. Now you live in Orlando, Brian. You can detect, you you can uh, confirm or deny what I'm what I'm speaking of, but just on the surface, it seems like the city of Jacksonville is putting more into that game than Orlando puts into the Florida Classic. Uh, well, there there are a lot of people that are that are talking about the fact that you know, given the amount of money that has been on record by folks with here within the Orlando area that the Florida Classic brings that the monies that FAMU and Bethune receive should be more. See, again, when you – I guess this brings that overall question, and, Jamie, this is a question that Aggies and Eagles should be asking with that game being played in Charlotte. When you hear city leaders talk about the financial impact – that a game like that brings. And in Orlando at the Florida Classic, it's been on record. 30 million was the number thrown around, right? How much of that, how, given that large economic impact, what are the schools being paid? And it's less than a million dollars for each in Orlando, less than a million dollars. And to many folks, that that doesn't sit it just doesn't comprehend. It's like, how are we making so much of an impact, but only receiving such a small amount in comparison? 
and I know a lot of a lot of stuff goes into it, you know, uh, such as your your hiring of staffing, uh, marketing promotions, cost on hotels, and I mean, there's an expense sheet which you really need to you have to go digging. I mean, it's a it's available, especially on the FAMU side because FAMU is a public institution. You can go find it; it's there. But that's why a lot of people we have friends who will say this game should be put out on bid. I mean, Jacksonville, Tampa, Miami, other cities in in the Florida area should have the opportunity to bid on that game. What what are you hearing about the North Carolina Central, North Carolina A&T game and the financial impact that that game will have for those schools? Well, we haven't heard much as far as the financial impact of what Charlotte is going to bring. But I'll tell you what, they're – you know, they're rolling out the red carpet as far as promoting the game, um, even bringing in um, black companies to actually um, to do the merch um, concert. Like they're making a full fledged event. I actually reached out to the um, the the, you know, folks actually putting on the game and they couldn't give me final numbers as of yet because they said the final numbers would not be um, disclosed until after the game. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm already on that because I'm curious to see what goes on. And with all the discussion on what these classics actually get, I was curious myself. So it's just a matter of getting those final tallies and I have those. Um, so I would assume, um, just based on, because, you know, A&T's already sold their ticket allotment. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're good to go. I think central, I'm not sure what the final numbers were as far as that, but they did that pretty quickly. Um, you know, so so as far as what they're, you know, obliged to do, I think that's already done. Um, but I know the heads over there and, and dealing with the past, um, you know, South, I think, you know, North Carolina and South Carolina played the game, I think, either last year or the year before. Their, you know, payout was somewhere around $2 million. Um, so, so we will, you know, see what happens. If it's, you know, it, as far as promotion, I'm loving what I'm seeing. But, you know. That that's wonderful, but I want to see those final tallies to see if it was worth it or should it should they have kept it a home at home. Um, they're also playing in this game again in 2027, so we'll see what happens. Um, but in relation to you know what you said, even about the Florida Classic, I remember you know you know I, I put my ear on to the um, the O and G strike zone when y'all had you know a couple people on talking about the game, and so the fact that you know promoters say maybe that game should be bidded out and that Jacksonville would be a good suitor. And the fact that the town of Orlando is bragging about a $30 million windfall based on you all playing that game there and you're getting less than a million dollars. Yeah, I absolutely think it should be bidded out. So, you know, you know, I, I know, you know, on these Twitter streets and things of that nature that, you know, certain people from other schools shouldn't speak on, you know, shouldn't speak on other schools, of course, but, you know, uh, but just hearing that and just hearing that information, hey, I would, I, I, I would say the same thing if, if the roles were reversed and A&T was involved in that as well. So, hey, go for it. Bid it out. What's your attendance estimation? Go ahead. My well, attendance estimation? Yeah, I would say between 40 and 50. I mean, somewhere in there. I would say, man. Eh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be ambitious. Plus okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go there. We'll see. But you know, the Aggie Eagle Classic, since we have brought it up, has an interesting form, uh, format because 
I think it's a 10-year deal, but I think only, if I remember right, only four of those are in Charlotte, if I've got the number right, and the other six are home and homes. So what about that format? You know, I, I hate to say it like this. Is it confusing for fans or the fans liking that? We're still going to get a home and home, and then every every third year or what, whatever that equates out to be, we'll be going to Charlotte. So, okay. I'm staying at home this year. I travel to I travel to the other place next year, and then we got the neutral site in in that in that other year. So just kind of talk about that. Well, I think it'll be fine because for several years it was at Carter Finley Stadium, um, NC State's camp, NC State's um, stadium, uh, for a lot of years. That's that's where the classic was actually made, um, you know gone, and I think they went to. Um, went back to a home and home over the last few years before um, before we left the conference. So I think it'll be fine regardless of where it is. But you're talking about two, you know, Charlotte being, you know, an area where, you know, the basis for both schools are, are in. So I don't think it'll be any trouble at all, um, you know, people traveling to those sites. So I, I think it'll be just fine. But, you know, A&T even leaving the conference still wanted to say, or still wanted to continue playing other HBCUs because, you know, quite frankly, it's it, your most attended games. Um, it was one of those things where, you know, North Carolina Central, uh, South Carolina State, of course, uh, and a couple others, you know, even within that MEAC um, format, you know, those are the most attended games. So they still wanted to continue, even with, with, um, with Norfolk State, wanted to continue playing those games. So I don't think, you know, it's a problem at all. I think it'll be, you know, attended well. Hey, I, I see uh, via the uh, chat room, uh, A&T Roy said that only two of the games in that 10-year deal are set to be played in that Charlotte Stadium, and that's the the two you mentioned, this year and 2017. Yeah. So, okay, I have uh, my number correct. Uh, I appreciate that. Right. So this is a big this is a big opportunity for both schools to draw more fans than what has ever been at an Aggie Eagle Classic. So, I mean, I, you're, I love the, I, I love the thought of 4050. Maybe that's that. I, I'm, let's be ambitious while we're out there talking about, you know, these games. Sure. Let's go ahead and put it on the wild side and let's let's come up with a number and then let's encourage people to go because it only it only benefits. Look, people who wanted to go, you can go. There's no reason if you ever wanted to go to the Aggie Eagle Classic, if you are a North Carolina Central, if you are an a Aggie and you feel like this is a year that the Eagles will finally overcome uh, after four years of beatdowns by, by your brethren in the state, then this is a chance. This this is your chance to go show out, show up, and, you know, let's just hope it it uh, draws a good crowd. That That's what we need for that event. Um, let's – Let's pivot over to some BCSN preseason power rankings and strength of schedule rankings. Now, our um, our, our professor uh, of of uh, computer projections <laughs> of all things numbers. has put together a great formula here to tell us as we look at this potential season now again the strength of schedule always changes right drew as games as are played, season, progresses. And season progresses these numbers but if today going pre pre-week zero 
if based on last year's out, record, based on last year's records, and, and and really, isn't it a little bit based on pre- predictive results for this year, Drew, or is it not based on predictive? Yeah, it, it's, it's it's a little bit, but a lot of the predictive results for this year are based on last year's results. Okay, all right. So that's how it works in the computer game. For those of you who don't know how strength of schedule is determined. So here's the top five FCS. Now, these are FCS. Those are the 21 HBCUs in the FCS. These are the top five projected rankings. I'm going to start from five to one. Number five starts with Jamie's North Carolina A&T Aggies, fifth toughest schedule and it includes such – now, this is, of course, the Aggies are still in the Big South, uh, preseason favorite to win the conference. But this is a heck of a first four weeks, Jamie. I'd love for you to comment about this. Of course, the North Carolina Central neutral site game. Then the game that I'm anticipating – I'm really looking forward to this game for, for y'all – is the game at North Dakota State, the number one or number two ranked team – I mean, multi-year national champion, North Dakota State. Then they travel to Duke, um, you know, to play uh, ACC opponent. And then they host South Carolina. Yep, yep, uh, yep. And then they host South Carolina State, which, I mean, of course, the defending Celebration Bowl and MEAC champs. Uh, So if I'm not mistaken, Jamie, that is – Week one, two, three, four. No breaks, no days off. What's your thoughts on that first four weeks? And does it feel like five is too low for North Carolina A and T in terms of strength of schedule? Um, it may be slightly low, but that is a um that is a tough schedule considering you got two rivals in um the mix. Uh, you got the North Dakota State game. Um, that was scheduled a few years ago before COVID. Um, they're making up that game. And as Sam, you know, head coach Sam Washington said, you know, hey, it's a test for all things, you know, A&T. You know, a few years ago when, when that squad was intact and you had everyone in place, you know, that, that you wanted, you know, it probably would have been um, and still could be a good game. You know, we'll see what happens because when you're looking at the squad, there are a lot of unknowns to out to other people. But I think this team has tightened up where it was deficient. So I think, you know, the schedule, um, you know, South Carolina State being the, the defending MEAC champions is always going to bring their A game. Um, that game was incredibly close. In, in fact, South Carolina State was winning until Corey Fields got hit and in, in out the game. So, you know, A&T does what A&T does and, and, and was able to kind of seize the moment and capture that win. But they're going to be tough coming into Greensboro. Uh, and we'll see what happens there. Um, of course, North Carolina Central, even before that, is a, you know, they're not going to get beat like they've been getting beat the last few years. They're a, a really good offensive team. They got the receiving core coming back, Davis Richard. You know, that signal caller, they'll be able to run the football. They're experienced. And, you know, with them having, you know, A&T's old defensive coordinator, you know, they're going to be they're going to be ready to try to get some get back. So that's also going to be a tough game. Kind of already talked about the North Dakota State game. The Duke game in years past, it's been a little closer um, than than you know, people thought, you know, close for three quarters. And then, of course, you know, Duke, you know, pulling away at the end. But. Um, you know, 
it, it'll be a good check. <laughs> it'll be a nice check. Yeah. <laughs> that right. that we collect. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so uh, at the end ahead. of the Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish your point. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. I mean, so so we'll we'll see what happens there, but I think it is absolutely a tough schedule. Uh tougher um just looking at the other opponents in five. Now I understand, you know, South Carolina State, for example, of course, always plays, you know, you know, an SEC or ACC opponent that's that's tough. They always, you know, they they'll, you know, go get that money game. And also, you know, it puts their players on display uh, crazy enough. Uh, I, I think that's the other side of what people talk about in relation to schedule. I know some people don't like those money games, but when I talk to, you know, hear those NFL coaches, the first set of tape they're talking about putting on was, for example, the Kobe Durant was cl- the Clemson tape um, for James Houston when he was at Florida playing opponents. So regardless of whether we like it or not, there are some uses to uh, playing those games, but that is also a tough schedule. So, you know, Hampton going into the CAA, I think that schedule could probably be down some, um, as far as toughness, but I think, you know, from week one to week, you know, 11, you know, it's tough. They got, you know, some other games that, you know, they are winnable, such as the Howard game, such as the, you know, the, the Tuskegee game. No offense, AD. Watch your, watch but, your, uh, watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Although, man, I love what Tuskegee's doing, you know, social media-wise, man. They look the part. They look the part, man. I love what I'm seeing. But, um... But yeah, so so I absolutely think A T schedule should should move up as far as toughness. Before you ask your question, Drew, that I that I know we talked about offline asking Jamie, that North Dakota State game might be the biggest non conference HBCU versus PWI matchup of September. Just from the standpoint of all of this talk about what we are and how we measure ourselves is now on the shoulders of the Aggies. Because if the Aggies, I don't think North Carolina, North Dakota state has played an HBCU. uh, And we talk about the fact that how we compare against other FCS programs. Well, you know, Sam Washington via Rod Broadway before him, y'all built a good program. Now let's put your program up against that program and let's see where we at. And honestly, I can't think of a bigger game that has more meaning to it. Because if you cover what will probably be a 14 to 20 point spread, I'm going to say at least 14. I'm going to say at least two touchdowns. If you cover 14, I think it's a good showing in a lot of people's eyes, you know, for for various reasons. Uh, So that's just my take on how important that particular game is. Uh, Drew, go ahead. What's what's your question? What's the question that you want to get into with uh, Jamie here before we go to number four? All right, I'll, I'll just toss you the uh, the softball, Jamie. We in the six to twelve league. <laughs> North Carolina A and T. They have North Dakota State, as Brian has said. You also have MIAC champion South Carolina State on your schedule. So. A&T is predict, projected to win the Big South Conference. Let's say, here's a softball, here's a toss, see if you can hit it over the fence. A&T wins the Big South. 
mm-hmm. defeat South Carolina State, has a good showing, and even possibly defeats North Dakota State. Whoa. Now, Whoa. we've traditionally crowned the Celebration Bowl winner as HBCU National Champion. A&T does those, gets it to the playoffs, and makes a deep run. Wins two, possibly three games in the playoffs. Give me your argument, because I know you're going to make the argument because you're A&T alone. Give me your argument why we should crown A&T the champion at that point. I'm not going to give you that argument. I am going to say the Celebration Bowl is the Black College National Champion. I've always been consistent in that point, and I'll continue despite being consistent fact, in that. Despite the fact that A&T plays for are you, are you that guy, Jamie? I didn't know you were that guy. I'm, I'm that guy. I am that guy. <laughs> I, I am and, I am that guy. Of the three independents, of the three independents, A&T plays more HBCUs on their schedule than the other three. Listen. Look, listen, listen, listen here. Hey, the truth shall set you free. But like I said, let others tell it. It is what it is. You know, we 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 don't we don't like the HBCU space. You know what I'm saying? Let 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 them, you know, <laughs> hey. Cool, great, you know, no problem. But I'll keep it consistent, like I always do, because South Carolina State was the was the the HBCU national champion last year due to their win. That against Jackson State, that is the dynamic in which all winners, if you win out, that is the mechanism in which all folks get there. All folks get to that championship game. If you lose, you can't get in it. If you win, you're in it. Therefore, the winner of that game is crowned the Black College National Champion. Now, as an Aggie alum, what my mindset is, oh, man, y'all can't touch us. <laughs> the Aggie arrogance picks up, pick um, kicks in at that point. Oh man, come on, man! Yeah, we arguing all kinds of uh, talking big Aggie trash pride. on the boards. Absolutely, we talking big trash on the boards. But yeah, whoever, but crown, you know, HBCU national champs. Absolutely, the winner of the celebration ball. Absolutely, be crowned that person. I am that guy. Uh, Maurice, Jamie. Maurice Leary agreed with you and says the celebration bowl is. The black college champ, your A and T brother, Jamie. Jamie, you ever tell your kids, uh, "I love you, but I don't like <laughs> what you're doing"? I, I, you, you just you just fell in that category for me right now. I love you, Jamie, but I don't like I don't like what you just said. But I still love you, though. I still love. You. I love you too, I but like I love you, you brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh boy! Okay, so I, you know how I, you know how I did that. I was like, "Oh, you're that guy." I didn't know that was you. Yep. I, I, really, I really thought you were more nuanced than that, Jamie. That's all right, though. Mm-hmm. That's all right. No judgment. No judgment. Look, Brian, I threw him. A, I threw the softball up there too, and, and, and he popped out to the first baseman. He lined it. He lined it right back to the pitcher. Lined it right back to the pitcher. And he was like, boom. You're like, wait a minute. I thought you were going to hit this out the ballpark. I'm going to keep it I'm Hey, Brian, let's, let's take a break uh, before we get to those other four. Yes, because we got to move through those other four. So let's take a break, and we'll come back from our disappointment at Jamie, and we'll finish <laughs> up with the rest of the toughest schedules in the FCS HBCU landscape in a moment. You're watching the BCSN Sport Trap. We'll be back in just a moment. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember they can use less. 
Sweet pillars of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. <laughs> Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Trap. Brian, AD, Jamie Walker, uh, dealing with more disappointment in the, in the break. Uh, you know, so that's just the life. <laughs> you know, I, I forgot it's football season, so you just kind of you you forget you forget about people, and then football season comes around. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot. Yep, you're you're that guy. So no judgment. We need to have a town. We need to have a town hall meeting on that subject. Yeah, on, on that very subject, because you would be surprised how much how often that comes up. Um, you know, well, I, you know, people's opinion is, you know, it, it, type, that, man, everybody. Does, yeah, everybody, everybody does it. Look, the fact that now you, you're we're now dealing with twenty three of the twenty one don't have the opportunity to play in the celebration bowl is always it was why easy I've when it was said, just Tennessee State. 
Yeah, it was. It was because you you can say, well, they're out of it. You know, they the odds of them doing anything are slim. But now you've got three schools, you know. And I, look I, again. Look, it's an endless debate. We'll we'll talk about all days, and then you know. So anyway, let's move to number four. So on based on projections, t- strength of schedule, the number four team is South Carolina State. The Bulldogs, who uh, start their season against UCF uh, down here in Orlando, they travel to play Bethune. Obviously, we mentioned that. uh, uh, Well, no, we didn't mention that, but South Carolina State plays Bethune. In terms of play Bethune, they've got the Aggies. They also play South Carolina, so they've got two FCS, uh, no, FBS matchups. I mean, they don't even play a home game until October 8th when they host FAMU. So the whole month of September, the first four of the five weeks for South Carolina State are on the road. Um, That's a very tough schedule. I mean, their first five weeks, I mean, again, UCF, Bethune, A&T, South Carolina, and FAMU, before they catch a break by playing Virginia Lynchburg. So, I mean, that's how that first five <laughs> pans out. Uh, anybody got any comments and, about and South Carolina before we move to number three? They also have a bye week, uh, week three, after, between the BCU and A&T games. So, I'm really expect with that bye week going into A&T, I'm expecting a war, and honestly, with with the buy, even though it's on the road, you would have to consider South Carolina State the possible favorite, considering that A and T will be coming off of Duke the week before they play South Carolina State. What's also interesting yep. about the schedule. The schedule shapes up. Look, remember what A&T's or uh, South Carolina State's first half of their season looked like last year. It wasn't that impressive. Then they got hot in the second half of the season thanks to the conference, right? Almost a similar situation where in the last three, last seven weeks of the season, starting with the FAMU game on October 8th, five of those seven games were at home. They host North Carolina Central. They host North Carolina's uh, Norfolk State, who are what number two and three predicted finish in the. So they've got the they've got the favorable Miat schedule, and just the second half. So you know they, if they catch a if they catch a couple of wins against Bethune and your Aggies, uh, Jamie. I hate to say it, but if they catch a couple of wins there, they're going into that FAMU game two and two, feeling pretty good about themselves in the second half of the season. Well, I mean, even last year when they, you know, coming off the Clemson game, coming off, I think they played New Mexico State, um, you know, and, and you know, their schedule didn't do them any favors. But what, you know, Coach Buddy Pugh said um, was that it toughened them up. It actually, you know, made them come together in a vi- with a very young team. So, you know, if they can go into that, um, you know, the A&T game, which I hate the fact that they have a bye before that game. Um, because I think, you know, if they didn't, they would be, you know, good, good and beat up um, in, in those first three weeks. Um, so, so you know, them having a bye, or first two weeks, so them having a bye um, actually does, um, 
help them a lot, even though they're going to Greensboro. But the thing about the, the, the Bulldogs is, is this. They have a lot of experience, but they are also still very young, uh, considering that they're two top players, I would say, you know, Corey, you know, at least the ones that showed up at um at Media Day, Corey Fields and Jablonski Green. You know, somebody they're redshirt sophomores. So when you're looking at um just the team overall, I think their entire offensive line were were either freshmen or sophomores. So they are a, um, still a very young team. So you know they could either come together, you know, in that game, and and you know I'll go on record in saying this: it wouldn't surprise me if there's a split with Central and. South Carolina State with A&T uh, because both of those teams are not what they have been the last three to four years. They're not. Those are two very tough opponents. You know, the, the that's why I said, you know, the, the schedule is tough for A&T, but South Carolina State plays a perennial, a perennially tough schedule. So they're accustomed to doing this. Um, I don't think it'll affect, it will affect them in MEAC play. In fact, I think it helps them. I'm curious to see, because I think that fam is in Orangeburg, right? Correct. That's going to be interesting to me. That is interesting, especially depending on who's the quarterback for FAMU. Oh, well, come on now. Let's... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, my comment on South Carolina State, and I'll make this quick, that first conference game may be their most important game because they opened up conference play against Central at home in Orangeburg. But a loss to Central, it, it, actually any loss in the BAC, but especially a loss to Central could really put South Carolina State behind the eight ball this year and set it up for Central to win South Carolina State because Central will already have a game in in the conference having played Morgan State the previous week. Yeah, I think considering that Central, you know, is – is going into um, this year with high hopes. I think they're looking to to improve. Um, you could absolutely see tr- uh, head coach Trey Oliver um, wanting this team to just finish and come together because they have everything in place to win. It's just a matter of, you know, between them and Norfolk State really tailing off at the end of last year, they understand that both of those te- neither one of those teams finished. So they're looking to get some get back against South Carolina State. Uh, and I think – they have the tools to get it. Um, if, if South Carolina State is feeling themselves a little too much, Central does have the capabilities of getting them. But, you know, that game is in Orangeburg, and, and it will be, you know, one of the few games that will be there. So, hey, we'll see what happens. All right. Number three, the number three toughest schedule in HBCU FCS is Mississippi Valley State, who uh, for Valley – What's interesting is they, of course, they already play in the SWAC East, which if you, if any of you folks who pay attention to ratings, you essentially have the SWAC East and SWAC West. You can almost look at two separate conferences. Um, I mean, because, hey, hey, the MEAC is a 16 conference in itself. So if you look at the SWAC East, the MEAC and the SWAC West, you got three conferences there. So they already play in the SWAC East, which is actually by Massey ratings is rated higher than some other full leagues. Uh, the SWAC East is, and then they play the top three teams of, in terms of predicted order of finish from 
the SWAC West. They play, they host Alcorn, they travel to Southern, and then they uh, host Prairie View A&M. So those are, of course, Southern, Alcorn, and Prairie View were all preseason one, two, three, right? Non-conference, Valley, uh, they play Tarleton, who is an FCS program, and they pay and they play Austin P. So those two are on the road, and then they host Delta State, which Delta State gave Jackson State a very good game. That is a very good. They are a D two powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it is. You know that that's so that's that's Valley's. No, no breaks for Valley. I know a lot of people like what Vincent Dancy's doing, but man, no breaks for for Valley. Absolutely no breaks, man. Like that is you already getting you know hell in that in that East Gauntlet, but your your crossover games are against perennial winners. You know what I'm saying? So so yeah, you're you're getting no breaks at all, and then you're talking about you know a couple of games against FCS opponents who who absolutely absolutely do you know, are at the forefront of, of each of their conferences. So, nah, they don't get any breaks at all. I wouldn't move them down at all. I think they're right up there and, and deservedly so. And Valley Valley was the high, was the toughest uh, schedule among all 12 SWAC schools. Uh, it was Valley. So, can let you yeah. know, you know, obviously number two and number one are not SWAC schools. All right, so number two happens to be second toughest schedule in FCS, Tennessee State, Tennessee State, and the OVC. Uh, the OVC, oh, by oh, the Brian, way, Brian. Before before yeah. you get too far off of Valley, you talk about their Swackies. They've got Jackson State and FAMU on the road. The top two teams in the Swackies. You failed to mention that part of it too when you're talking about uh, those road look, games. I, I just, I'm sorry. Look, in, in in general, it's a tough road for Valley. I don't care if you're home or away. It's a, but I get your point though. Good point. Um, okay, so Tennessee State and the OVC. A lot of people are. This might be the uh, final, the, the 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 final call for the Ohio Valley. What is it? OVC, Ohio Valley Conference. It's now a, a last 16, call for alcohol. It's a, it's a seventeen <laughs> league, but you're only playing five conference games because there is a new member that's coming in. Uh, so they're provisional. Uh, Tennessee State doesn't even play them. So they only really have five conference games that they're playing. But the OVC, surprisingly, is ranked 10th in the FCS uh, of uh, how many How many conferences are there? They're like 20-something conferences? No, I think there are the 16 conferences in uh, FCS. Because okay. so, right. 13, okay. get, 13, right. get, 13 get automatic bids. Because the okay. uh, BAC, so the SWAC, and the uh, yeah. Ivy, Ivy League, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yes. Okay, so they're they're uh, they open the season at the number six ranked team in FCS. That's Eastern Washington. So they have to travel all the way out to Eastern Washington. Then they play the neutral game against Jackson State. Then they go on the road and take on Middle Tennessee State. Uh, of Conference USA. So that's your one, two, and three game, you know, right off the bat. So nothing easy. Then what I find interesting is they probably, they play Lane, they host Lane College, who, look, we we were there. Lane is a respectable team, 
Uh, a lot of people have high hopes for Tennessee State, but if Tennessee State is not sharp, Lane <laughs> could possibly knock them off in that contest, and then they host Bethune-Cookman the following week before they get into that conference play, and then they end the season uh, with uh, Texas A&M Commerce, which is a team that they should beat. But uh, that Tennessee, it doesn't. When you when you hear that Tennessee State, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it's a tougher schedule. But I think because of the conference rating, I think that's how it comes out as a tougher schedule. Yeah, that's exactly why. That's exactly why. It always makes me wonder um, who's actually get doing the rankings when it comes to the conference. Right. Right. Um, all right. So, in the number one. Toughest schedule in HBCU FCS belongs to Hampton. Uh, the Hampton Pirates, uh, new members of the Colonial. Uh, Hampton plays, uh, first off, according to Massey ratings, uh, power rankings for conferences, the Colonial is rated sixth uh, among all FCS conferences, right? Uh, sixth. Hampton plays six teams that are rated in the top 50 in FCS football, six of them. And if you wanted to extend that out to say the top 55, you, it would be eight games among top 55 opponents in the FCS. So, and just by comparison, just by comparison, right? Whoever you think, I'm just going to use FAMU as an example. FAMU, there is no team in the SWAC or MEAC that has a rating higher than 80. And I think 80 is right about where FAMU's rating is. AMT actually comes in at 75. So just to let you know, among that's the perception of, a, that's a, again, looking at a picture of 130 schools in FCS football, and you're Hampton, you got to play eight games against the top half. I mean, that's, that's, Hey, welcome to the colonial. Hope that works out for you. So Brian, so they, you said eight games against top 60 opponents, correct? Uh, top 55. Yeah. Okay. That means the only games that they will play. That's not against the top 55 opponents or the three HBCU opponents being Howard in the ding, Valley of Tuskegee. Yep. In which should be called the Booker T Classic, and Norfolk in the Battle of the Bay. Ding, ding, ding! Exactly. That's those first three games right off the bat. So, I mean, look, if Ham, if Hampton, you know, hey, who is? It's conceivable that Hampton could go three and zero, and you know, all of a sudden people are kind of looking at Hampton a It'd little be bit three different. And eight. Yeah, exactly. And that's how the rest of the season could go. It could go that way. But you don't you, you unfortunately you just you don't know how they're going to match up until those games happen. So uh you know that that's how important the non conference is for Hampton to sort of get some good feels about themselves. Uh let me shift over to under D one. Now these are NAIA uh, Division two, when we talk about the top five toughest schedules, I'll just run them five to one for you guys. Number five is Morehouse of the SIEC. Number four, uh, Drew's favorite school, Virginia Lynchburg. Number three, <laughs> Florida Memorial of the Sun Conference. Number two is Texas College 
I believe, of the Sooner Athletic Conference. Yeah. And number one is Lincoln, Missouri, of the, ooh, what is that conference? The MIAA Midwest M-I-A-A. Intercollegiate. Yeah, Midwest yeah. Intercollegiate Athletic Association, which, Drew, that, they have a gauntlet because I think don't in Division Two, aren't there like six schools that are ranked in the top 20 out of that conference or something, some ridiculous. Some, 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 like top 25, I think. Yes, ridiculous. exactly. You know, imagine that's like, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln, Missouri. Uh, I tell you, man, if they, if they get it right, if they get it right, that they're going to be off the chain uh, over there. Um, I don't know, man. Other- I don't know. I think, I think the toughest schedule got to be Virginia Lynchburg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, Virginia Lynchburg, in, in theory, could win the MIAC championship because they played four games <laughs> against MIAC opponents. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what their classification is. Uh, you. Yes, and they also look. Oh yes, they might be right. They're playing the the road games. Yes, yes. That, so here's their here's their schedule: Virginia Lynchburg. They play Virginia Union, then Presbyterian, uh, then they play Delaware State, North Carolina Central, Morgan State. There's that MEAC schedule. Then they jump back and play Savannah State, another MEAC opponent in South Carolina State. Southern and the SWAC said they want a piece. Then you have Weber International, who is a NAIA, and then the Citadel, which I think is FCS. But I mean, hey, credit to them for getting how many games is that? One, two, three, that ten. I think that's that's ten. Nine, yeah, I ten. mean, look, you you know, that's how you build a program. You build a program by yeah, that's ten going out and and playing people, and then you get you get beat by most of those teams and. Man, pretty soon we when Virginia Lynchburg joins a conference and moves up to Division Two or NAIA, we're gonna have to apologize for for snickering at them as much as we have. Uh, because, I'm not snickering, yeah. but it's they, they should be crowned MEAC champs if they pull that off, man. Man, look, they should be crowned MEAC champs. Wait, uh, wait, yes, oh, wait man. Here, here's the, here's the kicker out of all this. I believe, and I'm looking at it. I believe they are, at least for the HBCUs, three consecutive homecoming opponents. Oh, now yeah. I don't, I don't know if the non-HBCUs have them as a homecoming opponent, but the whole month of October, uh, they will be homecoming opponents for HBCUs. The last three weeks in October. Hmm. Um. Wow. Okay. Let, let's move off of those schedules again. And, uh, you know, obviously, I don't know if, it, you know, I don't know if anybody cares about who has the, the easiest schedule. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Jamie, do you care about the easiest schedule? Do you want to know who has the easiest schedule according to our numbers? Go ahead. I love to know. It's actually Norfolk State. Easiest schedule. Hmm. Followed by, followed by Grambling. So yeah, just something to pay attention to. Uh, and and on the uh, DT one, yes. Oh, go, you, I got it. You want me? You want to do it, or you got no, it? No, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you. You going to mention the under, the other ones? Sure, might might as well on, on the D two, or I guess we should say the under D one level, Arkansas Baptist, 
which is good for them being a new team to the level that they're playing at. It's good that they have the easy schedule, followed by Johnson C. Smith uh, with the with the uh, second easiest schedule. A lot of I'm looking at what is that a CIAA, CIAA, couple of SIAC schools uh, filtered into that. Yeah, so that that's how the the easiest schedules uh, look. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes as the year progresses. Um, All Americans came out guys. If you uh, obviously, you know, when you talk about all American lists, you've got box to row, which does theirs. He just released the box to row uh, stats perform FCS drops. theirs. hero sports feels still. Those are some of the, uh, sites that drop all American lists. Um, you know, some guys, Phil Steele does an FCS where he drops four teams. He, he covers the entire FCS gambit. Um, what I, what I was going to, what I find interesting guys, if you look at the disparity or the differences in, uh, the polls, or I guess these rankings, right? When you talk about all Americans, for example, I'll, I'll use somebody like a Jamari A. Cherie, who received no credit from the SWAC all conference, right? No mention at all of the leading punt returner in the nation from last year, except then he becomes an all American on Phil Steele's first team as a punt returner. Uh, I believe he became a All-American, let's see, for some reason he didn't make box to row, but hey, you know, that happens, but he becomes All-American with Stats Perform FCS, Uh, so that's the one name that that I kind of look at amongst all of it that, that really shocked me. As I say, you know, when you look at these different All-American teams, that's what caught me. Anything when you look at these various All American teams that 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 you see that shocked you, uh, Drew or or uh, Jamie? Well, we kind of mentioned this on what was that Thursday? We were on a Cavill show together, Jamie. Yeah. When we were talking about the uh, F, the All American list, and let, let's look at the wide receiver position from Stats FCS. Three okay. of the top three wide receivers in the SWAC East were FCS All-Americans. But two of those three receivers, the question is, who going to get on the ball this year? We know, we know what they can do once they get the ball, but who who's going to get the ball? Get them the ball. Um, you're referring to obviously um, Abdul Fatai Ibrahim of Alabama A and M, Xavier Smith at FAMU, and mm-hmm. who's your who's your who's your third? Are you talking Everett from Bethune, Jackson State, Boulder, Jackson State? Well, but he's listed more as a kick returner. Bolden is sort of making these lists as a kick returner, right? Yeah, so I think you, a lot of them. Is that he's, yeah, I, I think that's that's what it is. But it's it kind does of, bring like an interesting Chris Army knife kind of, kind of type of guy for yeah. Jackson State yeah. right now. But we know who's going to get him the ball. 
Yeah, we don't know who's yeah, going to get the I ball think... to Xavier Smith. We don't know who's going to get well, the ball. We, we do know who's going to get the ball to Zay. Come on. You guys stop with this. I keep trying to tell you, look, <laughs> Rashawn, McKay, Rashawn McKay is going to be the quarterback week zero for Florida A&M University. I'm, and Meritonis will probably be the quarterback week one. No, it's not even Mer- – he's, he's not the guy in waiting. It's Junior Musa who's the guy in yeah, waiting. I, I saw it in the spring. Musa, the ball just – he just is different, man. That that kid can play, and so I. Here, here's what I will say: unlike last year, where Coach Simmons might have been, might have thought twice, or might have paused in wanting to bring Moratovic in because obviously he was a true freshman. He won't have that same pause because of the experience of Musa. Musa has shown it in. Uh, uh, in the spring game, and I've heard some reports that people who went to uh, or viewed the scrimmage from Saturday that the that Musa looked good. So I, I don't think they're gonna go away from McKay to start the season. But you know, it's funny you guys talk about what people look, what people, what kind of work people put on film against these FBS programs. I think. Don't be surprised if you see a rotation in terms of uh, possessions. Maybe one quarter starts with McKay, second quarter goes to Musa, and it just may look different. I'm not. I'm not making any predictions outside of Week Zero, but I'm telling you, first game Week Zero, first snap is going to Rashawn McKay. I'm just telling and you. I believe that. And I, yeah, yeah. I mean, the question yeah. is like, who's throwing the ball to Kamari? Everett. I mean, Kamari Everett, who's a tight end that's on everybody's first team tight end. I mean, practically everybody's list. Who's throwing the ball to him? You know, is it going to be Jalen Jones or is it going to be somebody else? Uh, and, and how big could that be for Bethune-Cookman, right? Um, if we if we expect them to have the kind of success they that we expect them to have. Uh, and and kind of one comment on um on on the list in general, the Phil St- Phil Steele list is interesting in that, um, going down to the to the Senior Bowl and those names being being bantied around. If they have good seasons, you're always talking about you know their draft status. So I think maybe it's it's important in in that regard. But, of course, we're still all talking about preseason accolades. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I guess you can give it a, a little bit of credit and, and whatever, but it's just really how these lists are comprised. So, you know, go play ball. Hey, the rest of fall where it may. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. And, you know, some of the names that, that fall into, um, you know, I, I like, for example, here, I'll, I'll, I'll go one further. You, you mentioned Phil Steele. Phil Steele on his third team punt return. He has Brandon Codrington of North Carolina Central, third team. First team, he has Jamari A. Sharid. Box to Row has Brandon Codrington as number one. Yeah. Uh, on, and he yeah. only did only it. So, so, I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, one hand washes the other hand or washes the other back. I don't know, whatever the phrase is, but, but it, it just, it, there's, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many, there are, there's so many all American preseason, all American polls. And, and, and then, you know, the debate that was going on last week was should a freshman be 
on this uh, list because obviously, who was it? Was it the Stats Perform that actually had Travis Hunter on theirs? Correct. Yeah, they so, did. Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys talk about that last week? What's your take on that, Jamie? Yes, yes, we did. Um, you know, I think it goes with the goes with the notoriety and in who he is. Um, a little bit of the play, uh, in, in the spring game, but again, that's a glorified practice. So, um, you know, take it for what it's worth. But I understand why. Like, even with all with everything, um, Travis Hunter. Um, is bandied about whether he, you know, was supposed to be invited to media day or whatever and what have you. I think it's just it just depends on preference, you know, at the end of the day. You know, it, it it's a preferred thing. And right now he's that name. So I get it. I get it. All right. Um, now, here, here in the uh, Black College Sports Network, we don't do a preseason poll, so it's good. We can kind of look at other people's polls and we can kind of – we can kind of break their poll down and, and uh, kind of uh, make comments about about their poll. So the latest poll uh, that's recently been out was the Box to Row uh, Top 10 uh, Top 10 Media Poll. So this is the media. He does a coach's poll and a media poll. Now, the interesting thing about the media poll, this is an all HBCU thing. So you will have a mix of Division One, Division Two, and it's just whoever you think is the best. So I always find it interesting to see how people incorporate the Division Twos who have half as many scholarships into a poll with FCS schools. Uh, so the uh, the 16th year of the uh, – Box to Row media poll uh, ministered by From the Press Box to Press Row features none other than, you know who, Jackson State sitting at number one. Um, Now, they finished last year ranked number three in this very poll. Number two uh, is South Carolina State, who actually earned more first place votes then Jackson State uh, by eight to seven. South Carolina State finished number two. Jamie, so you know it kind of uh, you know even though they won the Celebration Bowl, they didn't win the uh, Box to Row football media poll. Uh, number three in the preseason poll, Florida A and M, who finished fourth last year in this poll. Number four who actually received three first-place votes is the team that won this poll last year. That's Bowie State. Um, hey, I mean, this is what it is. The Bowie State Bulldogs got three first-place votes. I'm I'm very curious. I feel like those three people must know something that the rest of us don't know, given all the people that transferred, coach leaving, assistant coach leaving. Uh, they must know something we don't. Uh, number five is Albany State out of the SIAC. Number six is Alabama A&M. Seven is Prairie View. Eight is Alcorn. Nine is Southern. Ten, the Aggies. Uh, so that's that's their media poll. Any any comments you'd like to like to throw out there, uh, Jamie? Nah, nah, not. And I mean, you know, it's, it's someone's individual, you know, 
it, their formula, you know, the kind of thing that, you know, they want to do, um, especially when you're combining, um, you know, divisions. So, it, I mean, it just really depends. In some people's eyes, Bowie State won it all uh, because I think they, you know, went the farthest in, in, in black college sports, black college football. So in some people's eyes, I've seen, you know, in the polls they have, they, they had them number one. So it just really all depends. Um, I, I think when you're having these kind of polls, that's especially based on last year's standings, I guess it would be, you know, Bowie State that would be number one. I mean, because at the end of the day, South Carolina State won the Celebration Bowl. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering – you know, where you get the basis of lining, you know, just these people up. Is it a combination of what, how they finished or how you think they'll be this year? I mean, so, again, it, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. If you base it on last year, though, wouldn't you say Bowie State overall had a better season than South Carolina State, especially considering they made it to the – they did get a playoff win, uh, made it to the second round or was – or did they make it to the finals last year? Uh, you know they make so Ooh, many playoff that? runs. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember which how far they went. It, it, third round. They got to the yeah, eight. Yeah, they went to the third round. Yeah, yeah, they mm-hmm. got to the third round. So in theory, they picked up two playoff wins. Two South Carolina State's one playoff win, i.e., the Celebration Bowl. So if you base it on last year, then yes, we say should have been finished number one. Now. Obviously, we know Bowie State lost their two corners to Southern. But really, outside of that, everyone else who was supposed to come back for Bowie is coming back, including probably one of the top defensive players in D2 football in Joshua Pryor. So yes, sir. Bowie, State, Bowie State is no punk team, as they say. And after talking to them at media day and them emphasizing the fact that everybody else is still here, I I, I, I kind of changed my thoughts about Bowie State from what I had prior to CIAA media day. We'll see what Kyle Jackson does. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see if he can keep that train going. The only thing we'll about him, that- he, he, he went from chair three to chair two. To chair one in about in one year. <laughs> yes. No, in about sixty days. In about sixty days, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, he, it was, was a, defen- he was a defensive days. coordinator never and never called a play. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. As a yeah, it was it was less than sixty days. It was more I thought you said yeah. six days. It was more like six days when he went from chair three <laughs> to one. It really yeah. was. I went back and looked went at from the position notes. Coach on. to DC to head coach. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. I don't even think he got he didn't even get the plaque up on the uh on the on the uh door that said defensive coordinator and all of a sudden it's like oh I wonder if he had to move the, I wonder if he had to move his office every time, but did they just change the name on the door? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got jokes. Um all right, let's uh <laughs> I did uh let me see. What else did we had planned on talking about? Um Drew you are actually going to be doing some double duty this upcoming year as uh, all among all of the other things that you do in the world. We don't have an anti-moonlight policy, do we? Uh, no, no, we, we need, we need people working. So we, we need people working. So, uh, you're actually going to be doing, uh, writing for D2football.com. Uh, you're going to be covering the SIAC beat, 
So um, you you will be doing what our good friend Chris Ferguson does, covering the CIAA beat. Uh, I, I've I've long felt that this is right up your alley. Nobody talks about this. Is what I like about what we do is because of you, we talk about the SIAC probably more than a lot of shows. Uh, oh my God, we have a picture too. How do you get, <laughs> get a picture, huh? He gets a picture? Uh, anyway, congratulations. Right off the website. D2, <laughs> D2football.com, the SIAC reporter, A.D. Drew. So now the question is, where will your allegiances lie when it's time to break news? Will you break it with us, or are you going to break it with D2football.com first? What are you going to do? The articles will go to both. That was one thing okay. I said. I was like, the article will be posted on both website and we'll mention my name you know mention that fact that I'm, I'm with both uh websites and brian you say where am i gonna break it at first probably gonna depend on what day of the week it is ah there you go true that hey you know it's, it's like that sometimes it's like that um one of your one of your first stories if i'm not mistaken is the announcement about the new sic commissioner which you actually broke here, uh, two weeks ago, it was real quiet under the radar the way it got mentioned. Um, but it's uh, Anthony Holloman, uh, who is yes. now the SIAC commissioner. I believe you worked with him, if I'm not mistaken. I've heard you say this in a couple other places, correct? Yeah, we, uh, I worked with him at Tuskegee University doing his tenure there at Tuskegee. And um, he was... He was. Uh, he started at Tuskegee. I think he was the uh, director for university advancement, which is basically the fundraising arm for Tuskegee University. Before he took over as a interim athletic director, and before he could be named full time athletic director, because you because you know how these athletic director searches take. So they, they could take up to a year, especially at the D two level. He wound up going to South Carolina State as their athletic director, and then coming back to the SIAC with Fort Valley State. And uh, just doing Dr. Holloman, he was Mr. Holloman then, he's Dr. Holloman now. Uh, the way that I okay. do, he's, uh, he's always got something up his sleeve, especially when it comes to money and when i say when it comes to money that man know how how to go out and get some money and to make some deals so i've i've i personally have witnessed it i've watched what he has done when he has gone to other institutions since he and i worked together and i say that loosely that he and i worked together i was working for another uh department i knew where his office was i would speak to you're, him you're on the same floor <laughs> No, I wasn't even I wasn't even on the same side of campus with that brother. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you both drew a check I, from uh, Tuskegee. That's a, that's about what we had, and, and I love athletics. Those were the two things that we had in common at that point in time. But uh, I actually stopped by his office on Wednesday. He still he still at okay. Fort Valley State. I w- I was riding up seventy five. Had some extra time. So I uh, pulled off and went to his office. Had about, only had about a 15, 20-minute conversation because that was all the time that both of us had. But uh, I'm expecting some big things from him when it comes to the SIAC. And when you look at the projection, 
how he got to his uh, position. Look, look west to Birmingham, Alabama, where the SWAT commissioner's office is, Dr. Charles McClellan, multiple athletic director at multiple institutions, athletic director at multiple institutions in the conference that he became athletic director in, chair of the athletic director's council for that conference that he became athletic director in. So there are a lot of similarities in his rise and Dr. Charles McClellan's rise. Excuse me, Commissioner Charles McClellan. Dr. Holloman, Commissioner Charles McClellan's uh, rise. You know, I, I excuse me for getting these terms all confused, you know, but I do want to give these people their proper name and, and their proper respect as I'm uh, as I'm talking about them. So uh yeah, I've expected a lot of big things and by the end of the year. Expect something major from the SIEC commissioner's office. That's the inside. Are, are you? Are you? That's in. Oh, oh. I, I'm in not breaking year, it. So you're gonna leave. I'm not breaking it. But you got to think about. It. He takes over September one. So you got four. You've got four months. And what do most people come in with? A ninety to hundred and hundred and twenty day plan. So I'm expecting something. I'm expecting something big to come in that first hundred and twenty days. So if the if it's not conference internal uh, realignment of the teams, I would be disappointed. I I would tend to think that I think that's I think that's a no brainer. I think that's 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 going to be a I think that's going to be like a minor story compared to some of the stuff that I know Holloman can pull off. Um, any uh, let me see. I'm trying to think what else is. What else is out there? Uh, it, it, since you have his ear, Drew, um, I would I would like to propose a once again a a SIAC versus CIAA week, either week mm. one or week two of the football season. I mean, obviously, you know, we want to one draw interest into the region it gives everybody a region game and especially if the what C, uh, ciaa is playing an eight eight game conference schedule now yeah they only uh, got two who knows yes who knows the sic might be moving to something like a eight game schedule as well I, i've got a i've got an opposite proposal of that though brian uh-oh an opposite to the the sic versus ciaa matchup no you said week one week two why not week oh, eleven okay. for the team for uh week eleven or week twelve for the teams that don't make the playoffs have a crossover that week on a Thursday night? Do you keep your CIAA championship game on Saturday? Keep your SIAC championship game on Saturday, but on that Thursday night of championship week, have a crossover. Hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, that 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 would seem like it would take a a lot to figure out how to make that happen, Drew. Don't you? I mean, because I mean, essentially, you're talking about moving a lot of parts. Let's just say you don't know the teams until after week ten. Then everything has to happen in like a twenty four hour period in terms of finding out who's going to play where. Look, Brian, Tuskegee and Virginia State in twenty sixteen. <laughs> Put together a week a week eleven game if in, in forty eight hours. I think you if the conferences get together, they could coordinate some stuff like this. 
it can happen. I, I love the for how all, you for the non, that up. For the non-playoff teams, the one thing is you want to make, your, make sure that your, your next best team who's not in the championship game, those two teams have to play. Everybody else, you can kind of go for geography. Because one of those teams could have outside chance of making the playoffs. Like, such I would have killed State it. last year. Yeah, I would have killed to see see um, Bowie State and and um, and Albany State play like for the last couple of years. Uh, so I think those crossover games, even if you play them, I would probably say put them to more, more towards the front of the season. Um, even if it is a year later, I would have loved to see those teams still go at it at the beginning of this year, perhaps. And I know there are some crossover games going on. I know um, I think Benedict's playing Lisbon City or Johnson C. Smith, one of them. So. You know, we'll see, but I would love to see more of those matchups. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, Drew, I guess we'll be we'll, – any, we'll, any, we'll any other ideas you want me to get to Dr. Holloman? <laughs> you know, that, that's that's the big one. I've been pu- I've been pushing for the, the SIC. You know what? And I would – hey, let's do it during basketball season. I mean, the, let's, let's tie this in. I mean, you have an opportunity to – yeah, let's tie this into an all sport thing. Make it a, a cross commissioners cup thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You, if it can happen between the Big Twelve and the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten, I think it can happen easily between the AC uh, between the SIAC and the CIAA. Now, last year they did have a CIAA SIAC challenge or crossover in November in basketball. And I know it was I believe it was in Atlanta and really? I forgot yeah. I forgot where the CIAA city was because SIAC hosted in Atlanta training? and can't remember where the CIAA hosted there. I think it was. Mm, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't really publicized as such. That but... was the problem. That was the problem. Okay. 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 You just had to kind of put two and two together and see that all these things. You had to look at the schedule and see see the notes on the bottom of somebody's schedule. CIAA SIAC challenge or crossover, whatever they call it. That's that's what I'm saying. Let's let's move. Look, you you could do this in football, volleyball, basketball, men and women's, softball. Can you do it in baseball? I don't know if you can do it in baseball. Yeah, can you do CIAA it? Does a sponsor baseball. CIAA, yeah, they don't sponsor. So, uh, so I guess it would end with softball, then, uh, nah. right? No, nah, bro. Can we can we have a track meet? That's, can we have a track? Uh, what? Saint all. Take? I would okay. love to see Saint all against some of those SIAC teams. I'm with it. Uh, look at, at some. <laughs> all right, look. So, Drew, you you, you, you got you, wait. You got Saint all against somebody at, at at the new Morehouse Stadium. Hey, that'd be a great you know, place have, to put it. About four of them at the, at the new uh, Morehouse uh, Stadium where they got the track. Exactly. Brand, supposed to be exactly. a brand new track. Exactly. All right. So uh, there, there's, uh, there's, there you got some. Next time you have a conversation with Dr. Holloman, Drew, you got a, something that you can go to him with, and uh, you, you can come out, you can come at him with that. Hey, uh, on next week's show, we're going to get into a little bit of breaking down some of the the top. FCS versus FBS matchups that are happening in week zero, one, two, and three. Um, we'll also talk about the non-conference schedule 
in the FCS, and even you know it's a little bit different in the in the uh, under D one level. But we will get into talking about some of those games. I've already kind of tipped my hand a little bit as the one um, non conference FCS game I'm looking at, and that's the North Dakota State North Carolina A and T. But it's not the only one out there in terms of non conference games to be excited about, you know. And I think all of those, all of those, and we're talking primarily. Uh, whether it be HBCU versus HBCU or HBCU versus uh, PWI. Uh, we'll we'll kind of break all of that down on next week's show. Might even reveal our, the BCSN power rankings, the preseason rankings. Preseason rankings. Again, we don't do polls. We do rankings. We let, we let other people do polls and and combine all 50-some-odd schools. We, we let the other people do all that. We, we, you know, we divide it up, let the computers do the talking, and then everybody gets them set still when the numbers tell you who the champion should be. You know, guys like Jamie come in and say, well, is that the celebration bowl, though? So, it's, 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 <laughs> hey, uh, any final thoughts or any, any anything you want to get in there, Jamie, before we close it up for tonight? Nah, man. Hey, thanks for having me on once again, man. And and and, and listen, you know, I'm happy y'all let me uh, talk a little bit of swag football as well. <laughs> you always have you always have a place here, Jamie. No matter what they say in them Twitter streets. Uh, <laughs> Drew, final words. <laughs> hey, uh, unfortunately, th- this is that time of the year over the next two weeks where one of our team who we project to be a top finisher will lose someone due to an injury or a preseason injury. So let's hope that these guys stay healthy until the season starts so that these teams that we project to be good will at least have the opportunity to live up to the hype. I'm not saying they will, but we. I, I want to see everybody go into the season with full strength and not already on the number three quarterback or the number three wide receiver or, or things of that nature. So, And for those teams with quarterback competitions, let's watch these scrimmages over these next two weeks and see who separates themselves as the leader of the packs because uh, about – seems like – Miak is fine. Miak is fine. Most of their teams have a returning starter. I think everybody is pretty much going in the CIAA. Looks like the CIAA will have uh, new starters. Probably eight of the 12 in the SWAC will have new starters. And it looks like probably about 50% of the SIAC will have new starting quarterbacks. So let's see who separates themselves over the next two weeks. Jamie, I know Jamie going to keep us up in the Twitterverse uh, with that information, though. Man, you know it. You know what I'm gonna do, man. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna continue to keep it. You know, I, I like the social media space, man. It gives people uh, a lot of time to banter. But I'm just curious to see what the football is actually gonna look like at the very end of the day. I love talking ball, so you know, let's see what happens, man. Hey, what, what we got? Two weeks? Three weeks? Three. It it is three weeks. Actually, three. twenty days from week zero. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Hey, um, I will, I'll end with, with two quick points. One, uh, volleyball camps are opening up this week. 
Uh, volleyball practices begin on Tuesday for most of the schools. You know, volleyball has a weird rule in which they only get 17 days or 17 practices before the start of the season. Very odd. You know, we're used to almost a full month of football, right? But here's volleyball that's not a contact sport, and they get less time than football. Make that make sense for me, people, because I, I really can't. But anyway, volleyball camps are opening up this week. Uh, so we'll kind of maybe keep our eyes open to some preseason predictions or talk about volleyball next week. And also, schools are starting back this week. Uh, or if they may, a lot of them started last week. So just a reminder, be patient out on the roads, especially early in the morning. Because, you, you, you know, they got bus stops in strange places. Uh, be mindful of the bus. Don't try to zip around the bus. You know, there's somebody's kid or child that might be trying to cross the street or just not paying attention. You remember how you were as a child. You remember how kids are. So be patient. Leave a little earlier if you can because traffic is definitely going to pick up. I know in my town, I start school on Tuesday. Jamie, you're already back to school. Drew, you're already back to school. So let's be safe out here on the streets, the real streets, the streets that matter, where our kids are walking and uh, back going back to school, getting on the buses. And let's be productive. Let's be let's be good citizens to one another. Let's encourage these young people to go to school and learn something. Encourage them to go home and make an effort to learn one thing. If it's one thing, just learn one thing every day, we'll be a lot better off in society. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Thank you, Jamie, for joining us as always. Shout out to our producer, Roy. Thank you, everybody in the chat rooms for joining us. Hit that like button on your way out the door and Facebook as well. We appreciate you. Please go download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app, which you can find on the Google or Apple Play Store. Just search my JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it. And you can get all of our shows that appear on the week, during the week, on the Black College Sports Network. And also, make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at MyBCSN1, the number one. And go download that BCSN pod zone. Look for it everywhere that you listen and download podcasts. So for A.D. Drew, Jamie Walker, I'm Brian Fulford, and our producer, Roy, uh, thank you for watching. Be safe, God bless, and good night. Peace out. Uh, holla. But you must stay on heart.